I'd like to welcome you to the Jed Hughes Podcast. Each episode will feature a unique leader and will delve into the qualities that inspire greatness, galvanize organizations, and teach the next generation of aspiring leaders. Jed ran the process that resulted in the hiring of Pete Carroll, Jim Harbaugh, Andy Reid, Masai Uzuri. Now, according to Forbes, Jed is the most connected man in sports. Our guest today has not only excelled on the gridiron. During his playing career, he started the Derek Brooks Foundation and has been a huge community supporter. His success, Super Bowl champion, NFL Player of the Year, Walter Payton Man of the Year, five-time first-team all-team pro Bowl. 11 Pro Bowls, NFL 100th year anniversary all-time team, Tampa Bay's ring of honor, number 55 retired, a two-time consensus All-American draft pick, ACC Defensive Player of the Year, and the first-round draft pick of the Tampa Bay Bucks. In our discussion, Derek will highlight his values and why he has become a servant leader and an outstanding husband and father. Intellect, empathy, and communication skills are outstanding. And we're pleased to have Derek, number 55, as our guest. Welcome, friends. One of the most decorated players in Tampa Bay Bucks history, Derek Brooks. He brings a unique set of skills to what he's currently doing today, working for the Vinick Sports Group. Derek, let's talk quickly. You were this unbelievable football player at Florida State get drafted to the Bucks. Talk about how you progressed as a player in the National Football League, what those challenges were like when you first joined. And then secondly, how you got into the non-for-profit work. Who who taught you, who helped you, encouraged you to do that to enhance your, uh, when you finished playing, mm-hmm. to have a future? It's unique because uh, the one person that, uh, we both <laughs> have a uh, relationship with was involved uh, in my development as a pro player, and that was Coach Tony Dungy as my second head coach. Prior to Coach Dungy getting here in 1996, uh, very few people remember I was actually drafted by Sam Weish in 1995 uh, as the second uh, first round, the second of the Bucks uh, first round pick, obviously Warren Sapp. Uh, he was the first of the <laughs> the first pick uh, of the Bucks that year, and he got me later in the first. But my development really kind of started with having some solid leaders, starting with Hoy Nickerson uh, in our linebacker room, uh, Pittsburgh roots. He came from Pittsburgh, so he understood what it took to win and what winning culture looked like uh, coming to an organization uh, at that time where 
not perennial winners. They were perennial losers. So as the development got going for us uh, being drafted here with state schools from Florida, Florida State, Miami, that was winning, we brought a winning attitude and a winning culture coming in from college. So we were not going to accept you know, being part of a losing culture. And we went out and we worked and did it. Now, how Coach Dungey comes into play in my development was, as he was hired my second year, he bought the 4-3 defense that Pittsburgh ran back in the 70s that he was a part of with Kansas City, that he was part of with the Vikings. He brought that defense here. And the wheel linebacker position became a natural fit for me. For my skill set of speed, uh, playing in the open field, instincts, I had the opportunity to take advantage of that with the position I played. But more importantly, Coach Dungey brought to us the attitude of giving back. And he said this, Jed, in our first meeting. He said if he taught to us and his head coach and leadership was all about wins, we all would lose. He said it's bigger than that. And it took me a while, a couple of weeks to get it, what he was trying to say. And what he simply said was if we just concentrate on winning games, inside that stadium on Sunday, then we all failed. The mission was bigger than a football field, bigger than NFL. We had to get out and impact our community, and therefore everybody wins and we have no losses. And it took that type of mindset for us to turn our franchise around. And I thank God that I bought into it. <laughs> and I just started serving our community uh, through youth education. And that's really how Derrick Brooks Charities was started, uh, just on the roots of me wanting to give back and serve our community, which was bigger than a football game. When you retired, what was the uh, time frame between when Todd Lewicki reached out to you and when you played your last NFL game? Well, I played my uh, last game in December of 2008, and uh, I worked for ESPN for two years. So I believe it was around May of, two, I believe March, excuse me, of 2011, uh, not too far from when the Tampa Bay Lightning was purchased by Jeff Finnick, who also had purchased the Tampa Bay Storm Arena rights uh, through the purchase. That's when Todd reached out to me. So I remember being a little over, I would say, two years tops uh, before he he reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to get involved in the business of football and to run the Tampa Bay Storm Arena football team. Well, I will tell you, at first when we met, I wasn't that highly impressed with doing it because uh, ESPN at that time had made a significant offer to invest in me being one of their uh, NFL analyst talents. So I was weighing both options, but I tell you what really – swung the momentum towards doing this was when I met Jeff Finney. Uh, I'd never up at that point in my life met a visionary uh, as smart, smart as he was. And he just talked about the same things that Coach Dungey did, you know, 15 years earlier, changing our community. But it was from a business perspective. And I gravitated to it. And I said, hey, I need to be around this man. If it takes running an arena football team, I'll do it. But my bigger goal was to build a relationship and try to soak up all the knowledge I could by being around time like we can get Jeff in. The football team goes under. What happens after that to you? For me, uh, we, we had a good run, and 
And I wouldn't say uh, it went under. We decided to dissolve because the Arena Football League itself, uh, it wasn't built on a model of success the way we saw success. Right. So we we bought out. Uh, and again, we had a, a great run of eight years of building a business uh, of football. And I learned a lot. Uh, to the tune where uh, Steve Griggs and Mr. Vinick wanted me to stay a part of Vinick Sports Group. And they offered me the position of executive vice president of our corporate and business affairs. So I've been uh, working in that role since 2018. Uh, but I've been doing the job, honestly, since 2014, because I've always been involved with the business side of our hockey team because it's a you know Vinick Sports Group asset. So this, uh, again, uh, allowed me to just expand uh, my business perspective, uh, expand uh, my business talent, and more importantly, learn, uh, continue to uh, grow and learn in a space of uh, in the space of business as part of a sports team. When, when you look at the National Hockey League and the success that the Lightning had, what do you attribute that to? Well, I think it goes, obviously, uh, getting a core group of players to stay together uh, for an extended period of time and finding the right pieces to surround uh, that core group with. And it takes a lot of buying into. And I think Coach John Cooper has done a great job, the psychic and the mentality of getting players to buy into his way of coaching and our way of winning, where Tampa Bay now is one of the places where NHL free agents want to come and be a part of. And we've taken that same approach on the business side. We want to go out and create a culture and business that our community is proud of. And no, no bigger example of that than our Community Hero Award, in which Mr. Vinick, since he's on the team, has given away millions of dollars to Community Heroes, you know, $50,000 every home game since he's on the team. And that just speaks volumes to the commitment that he and his wife has made to making our community a better space and place, but more importantly, to let them know we are ingrained in making our community better, and we want to put our dollars, you know, where our efforts are and make sure they're aligned. And one of the unique things I would say about my job, too, uh, Jed, is the fact that uh, I've been an NFL appeals officer uh, the entire time along the way, so it has allowed me by being an appeals officer, to be in the room, whether it's NFL business or NFL PA business, uh, this one job that I have is the only job that's created by the collective bargaining agreement. So I get a chance to interact with both sides really on a daily basis, and that just really has allowed me to expand, as I said, my acumen to learn. When you think about professional sports, and the future, as we look down the road, whether it's the National Football League, National Hockey League, Major League Baseball, and the NBA, what do you see as the big challenges that professional sports are facing? Well, I, I would not necessarily, I would not answer that question for you in the term of looking at challenges. I look at opportunities, and there's an opportunity now with this generation of athletes uh, to be more socially conscious, you know, in everything that we do. Uh, business, lifestyle, sports, they're not separated in with many barriers as years pass. Now, 
they're finding a ways to ingrain all these things. And once you ingrain them and find those synergies, now you, not only do you grow the game, but you grow the individual. And I think now those were the opportunities that younger players are seeing in this generation of players have earned where, you know, the the money that they're making, they're not waiting till they're retired to be business. They're doing it all alone. And they're learning because there are tools in place for that to happen. And the same side with the leagues. The leagues now are listening to players more than they ever have because players now have this, the value that they see to grow the business continues to be there. And now you got both sides recognizing that. So I look at it as opportunities. I think all sports, the game is safe, safer, whether it's football, basketball, hockey, baseball. I think there are metrics and there are rules in place to make the game safer. Uh, as you know, the, the game is more safe now for me, for my son playing than when I played. And that's how it should be. As we, we know better, we do better. And we get more healthy and we take advantage of all this science and data uh, that's available to grow our game and make it safer. So I look at opportunities. I don't necessarily uh, believe in challenges. So there are plenty of opportunities. And there are opportunities to be a part of sports that that's not on a baseball diamond, not on a not on a hockey uh, ice arena. It's not on a football field. It's opportunities in business that you can be a part of this game and have just a bigger influence on the sport than ever before. What are some of those roles that you're uh, alluding to from a business perspective that could be helpful? You know, now when it gets starts talking about technology and analytics, when you talk about cybersecurity and protecting information, uh, those are roles that I never even thought those words would be used talking about the game of football, but yet now they're starting to be a core part of execution on the business side and on the field. All these things are now becoming ingrained and synergized. And now you look at uh, the diversity, where now you have females involved in the game. You know, obviously, we're, we're always banging this door for opportunities you know, for not just gender, color, we want to look past that and start getting people qualified based on qualification. And now these qualifications, they have different faces and different colors. So let's welcome them to the game and look for those opportunities to do it. And again, there are many, many more that are behind the scenes that are positions where you can make a great living and not just be in front of a camera. Like I say, from a digital standpoint, analytics standpoint, uh, business sales standpoint, just, you know, protecting the game. When I think about cybersecurity, how big that is now. When you think about your children as they continue to grow and mature, what do you see for that generation moving forward? Well, I just want to do my part in preparing my kids to be the best lifelong learners they possibly can and influence this world in a positive way. Uh, I want to support their journey. Uh, I want to support my wife's journey and not dictate what they do and how they do it, but be a part of the journey to help them and them help me continue to grow. So that's what I see with my own, my own children. Uh, I want to prepare them, you know, be leaders of tomorrow in whatever space that they're comfortable with in doing that. But at the end of the day, I just wanted to make a positive influence on this world. 
Well, that takes a huge commitment on your part to be able to balance work, your family, and your charity work. <laughs> yes, and, and it all starts with, uh, you know, really having someone that's my backbone, my wife, Carol. Uh, we've known each other since we were 10 years old. And to, you know, have that balance where, you know, she loves me enough to put her foot down and tell me to stop, you know, doing this or doing that. And at the same time, she's gracious enough to, you know, challenge me if I'm going to do something, go all out and be a part of it. And then the last piece is to trust. Trust me to know when, hey, it's time for me to be with my family. You know, it's time for me to slow down for my health person. It's time for me to tell someone no. So I just think years of, of doing able to do it. And, and I rely on her sometimes to help me uh, get that done. But yes, yeah, she's been an integral part uh, of that balance that you speak of. And I, and I stay excited about doing it, to be honest with you. Uh, I enjoy uh, being a servant leader. At the end of the day, that's what Derrick Brooks is all about. Servant leadership. If you thought about one or two moments uh, in your lifespan that you're really proud of accomplishing, what would what would several of them be? Well, I don't, I don't want to compare. I want to connect all these moments. <laughs> and again, starting with my my family, you know, my children enjoying their accomplishments. For me personally, their births to send them you know, graduate college, get their master's. So I enjoy their moments and try to be there in their moment. I've had enough of mine through sports, through my personal, but now I look back on it, I just want to enjoy theirs and, and be all in for them. I always go back when people ask me this question, I think of my mom when I graduated college to see the joy in her and my stepfather's face of being the first in my immediate family to get my collegiate degree. And then I went back and got my master's. That was for me. So that was probably one of my personal accomplishments of getting my master's because I, I truly did that to dedicate that to me and prove something to myself and I was able to do it. Any other moments that I share in sports, I share with others because they're my teammates and I would not have that moment without them. And that's why I value team sports so much that I can't take that moment and say it was a great moment for me because others were involved in that and I want to enjoy it with them, not without them. What was it like when you found out you were going to be inducted in the NFL Hall of Fame? Uh, speechless. An unreal moment uh, when David Baker knocked on that door in New York. I, I looked at my wife and it was just, she said it looked, said it all. Uh, hugged her. And Jed, I immediately started thinking about two other men at the time. I asked David, what about John Lynch? What about Tony Dutch? And my wife interrupted me to say, Derek, this is about you. <laughs> You're going to take five minutes to enjoy this for you. I says, You're right, honey. I'm going to smell my own roses. Huh. And at minute six, I asked about Charlie and found out that they did not get in. But that's, again, that's where I, I appreciate, you know, having Carol just, you know, remind me of those moments. And, and again, 
I'm trying to do more of that as I get older. But again, I'm just so ingrained in servant leadership. You know, that's a growth area for me. Well, I really appreciate you uh, joining us today and our audience to share your journey and the things that have been important uh, in your priorities and uh, why you have been able to achieve the types of well-rounded successes that you've enjoyed. All right. Thank you very much. And again, look forward to catching up with you soon. Excellent.